Good morning. Happy Mother's Day again to all mothers, to all mothers-to-be, even those who are not going to be mothers, but you, uh, you have a mother in you. I, I don't think that's only for the ones who are biologically a mother. There's spiritual mothering as well. So I congratulate every woman this morning. And uh, you heard uh, the, the theme behind the songs this morning was a theme of war. Did you notice that? It was warring songs. The reason for that is that today I'm going to be speaking about not the typical aspect of motherhood of, you know, the softness, the tenderness, the compassion, you know, all those um, soft qualities that mothers generally have. Today I want to speak to you about another aspect, the aspect of being a mother warrior. That's, that's my, my topic this morning. And although I'm going to be referring to mothers, because today is Mother's Day, just make the adjustments. It's for everyone. Really, the principles that I'm going to be sharing are for everyone. Even, even if you're not a woman, men, those principles apply to you as well. And we're going to be extracting principles, lessons, from the life of Deborah in the Old Testament. Uh, Deborah is probably my favorite character in the Bible, or at least the female character in the Bible. Um, her story has spoken to me many times throughout my life. And she is kind of my mentor at a distance of over 3,000 years. Uh, so she's a, a very special person in my life, although I've never met her, but through the scripture, she has become alive to me. And as I said, the, the story is found in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, chapters 4 and 5. And as I begin, I'm going to go to Judges 2 to uh, just establish um, a context of where, in what context was Deborah ministering. So if we go to Judges chapter 2, verses 10 to 14, and then verse 16. Another generation grew up. Sorry, I want to preface that by saying that this is after Joshua died, right? So another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Verse 16, then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders, yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. 
So what we're seeing is that the people of God persisted in their rebelliousness, in worshiping idols in, in the ways of the people that lived around them, including, you know, that included ritual prostitution, children's sacrifice, uh, sacrificing to idols, which we know are demons. So that was the part of the lifestyle of the people of Israel in the times of Deborah and, you know, for several, uh, for several hundred years. So the cycle was that it, it repeated itself. It was a cycle. It repeated itself. You know, the people did what was evil before the Lord. Then they, they, the grief overtook them, and they, they clamored to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord, save us, Lord. So that was a pattern that repeated itself time and time again. And we see that in, in Judges 4, verses 1 to 3. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Javan, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harothes Hagoim, because he had nine chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. So this is the, the setting, Deborah's setting. And in this time, we are in this, in this context, we are told that a woman named Deborah was the judge of Israel. In ver verse 4, tells us that Deborah was a prophet and the wife of Lapidoth. And so she led Israel in a time of terrible fear and uncertainty. What happened in those times was that people could not move freely from one place to another because they could be attacked by the enemy at any time. They would uh, raise produce, and it was stolen or robbed by, by these enemies. Uh, they, the, their animals were taken away, you know, so their sustenance was in danger in these times. People could be killed, and women were raped. So it was a terrible, terrible time to live in. And this is a time where it's Deborah became a judge in Israel. So what I want to do again this morning is to, from Deborah's life in those two chapters of Judges 4 and 5, I want to, to extract some lessons of a mother warrior that we can apply to our lives. And as I told you before, even if you are not a mother, they still apply to you. Just make the, uh, the simple adjustments and it, it's also for you. So the first principle I want to share with you is that a mother warrior is accessible and, and welcoming. She's accessible and welcoming. In Judges 4-5 says that Deborah held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. So we're told that Deborah would sit under a palm tree. It was so customary that people knew exactly where to find her. They knew her address. They knew where to find it. They would just go to the palm of Deborah. And if they didn't know where that was, somebody would guide them. It's, it's over there. It was a specific place where she sat down, and people knew exactly where to find her. So what happened was that Deborah opened a physical space where people knew that they would be received and welcomed. So she made herself accessible. 
under the palm tree, she welcomed everyone and she uh, would solve disputes, legal disputes, personal disputes. That was a place where people knew that they had access to her and they would go before her. And it's interesting to me that Deborah did not choose an, an adorned tent to, as, as her place where she would receive people. She, in reality, what she did was she chose a palm tree, which uh, is not, uh, represent, doesn't represent well her status. You know, it would be much better if she had a nice tent, uh, you know, ornamented, beautiful, you know, safe with more privacy. But instead of that, she chose to do her, perform her calling in, you know, under a palm tree where she was more accessible. And it was a place, I, in, in my mind, what I see this palm tree representing is it's a symbol of service and humility. Uh, and it, a place that was closer to the condition of the people that she served. So there, in, under that palm tree, day by day, she sat with a disposition to listen to, to many life stories. And I'm, I'm sure that many of those life stories were very painful. Remember the context that we're talking about. You know, there was a lot of pain, uh, grief that happened as a result of the attacks of the enemy, of the uncertainty of the time, of the sin of the people, because they were you know, responsible for what was happening to them. So it must have been a very uh, draining job to day by day sit under the palm tree to listen to the stories of the people. So apart from her life as a wife and possibly we are assuming that she was a mother also, uh, sitting under the palm tree was Deborah's place of most influence. I, I strongly believe that my motherhood and that your motherhood is the most important area where you are called to be a godly influence. In, in our country, we're not facing an open war like in, the, in times of Deborah. But, I, but you know, I know, that biblical womanhood, biblical motherhood is under attack. Family values are under attack. And, you know, there are extreme feminist ideologies that have attempted to devalue the, the preciousness of the calling of mother. You know, so it is under attack. We are, it's not a given that it's appreciated in our times, at least in our country. So it is under attack. So it's, in, in a way, we, we cannot just sit and, and allow those influences, those ideologies to determine how, determine how we execute or, you know, perform our motherhood, our duties as mothers. What I see happening in present, at present, is that society has leaned more and more towards reducing parental influence and increasing the external influences of education, government, um, media, academia, and others. So in, in spite of the secular threats that undermine the role of a mother, we, we need to put a stop to that and we need to remember who we are in God and to do what he has called us to do. The most important influence is what happens in the home. And we, we need to establish and determine that as truth in our lives and not allow that other external influences rob 
us of our inheritance and our, our duty to raise our children in a godly way. So we need to be aware all the time of those influences that our, that our children are facing in every area of life that they move in. Uh, a woman called Kimberly Fletcher, she's the president of Moms for America Action. As a matter of fact, uh, in, at present, there are so many group of women that are standing up to, uh, to defend uh, biblical womanhood and, and biblical motherhood. So it's a, it's a refreshing thing to see. You know, and many of them are young women that are, are discovering the importance of being a mother and to doing, doing their job as a mother called, as, as God calls them to do. So she said, Kimberly Fletcher said, that the most important work for moms can do is not in the public sphere, but in their homes, in their relationships with their children. Do, do you believe that? that that's the most important place for you to exert your influence is in the home. You can, be, you can be part of the public sphere and you can speak there. You know, this woman, Kimberly Fletcher, that's what she does. But that's not the most important thing. It, the most important role is to speak God's life into our children in the context of the home. So, again, going back to Deborah, Deborah had a palm tree. So my question for you this morning is, what special place have you prepared for your children where you are accessible to them? Where is that special place? Do they know that they're always welcome in that place? That, that, you, uh, that you are close physically, emotionally, spiritually to them? Do they know that they can come to you with their concerns, with their questions, uh, with their confessions of things that they have done that are not pleasing to God and expect, you know, a, a listening ear from you and a, and a fair discipline? Do they know that, you know, in your home? Have, have you made time together part of your life as a family? That is so important. That I, I could not stress that enough, that family time, that together time as a family. Someone said once that no one under, the, under their deathbed ever said, I wish I had spent more time at the office. Right? No one. We typically regret not having spent more time with our children. I, I personally have regretted the many times that I told my children when they would ask to go to the park, and I would say, sorry, I can't go, I have work to do, I have this or that commitment. I regret that. You know, so, so let's, let's take advantage of the time that we have as a family today, rather than postponing it for tomorrow. So most families today have greatly reduced the number of times that they eat together as, you know, under, on the same table at the same time. And, and this is very, it's very typical. I know it to be a fact because I've had many conversations with people who say, no, we, we rarely eat together as a family. And many families, even, you know, due to different circumstances, people eat in their own bedrooms. They, they take their food and eat by themselves in their bedrooms. So that is it's really happening today in a, in a big way. And what happens, and sometimes even when there is that being together around a table, 
Most, most are busy using their electronics, doing something different. You, if you go to restaurants, you see that happening all over. You know, people that are, that are paying big money to eat out, and they're still on their phones, you know, uh, doing other things. And that happens in the tables in our homes as well, that people are, are, more, are paying more attention to uh, talking with someone outside of the family, sometimes unimportant topics, or finding out the latest news about their celebrities or, or gossip of people that they don't even know and they shouldn't care about. You know, it, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's a very real sad thing. I think that's a real pandemic that we're suffering in our times. Uh, I remember the story that my, my parents told me of once they invited family members uh, to eat with them. They, to, they invited them out to a restaurant. And these, uh, this family had two teenage children. And throughout the whole meal, they used their devices. The only thing that they said was hi and bye. My parents were, they could not believe what they were seeing. And the thing is, and the sad part is that the parents thought that this was normal behavior and acceptable behavior and they did nothing about it just to encourage the conversation of the teenage children with an elderly couple, you know, that had invited them to, di to dinner. So I believe that we can reverse this trend. And we need to do it now, and we need to use our influence to do something about this. Again, it seems like a minor detail in our lives, but it is not. It's, it has terrible implications for family life and for the future of those children. Imagine, not even, they're not even learning the art of conversation. That is such an important art, isn't it beautiful when you sit with a young person and they can ask you questions and answer your questions and there is this uh, reciprocal uh, time together of, of getting to know each other. Many of our children are very adept to using every possible feature in their iPhones but not in conversation. So that's something, I think that's a very important area of in, that we can use our influence to correct. Because it is essential that there are meaningful conversations at home. Because, think about it, if we don't have these meaningful conversations, how are we going to get to know each other? How are you going to know the concerns of your children? How, how are they going to get to know you and, and, and for you to share your life lessons with them? Uh, how, how are you going to know what, what dreams they have if you're not asking, if you're not having this conversation, meaningful conversations on a daily basis? So, you know, I that, that think that's a very important thing that we need to address in being accessible to our children. I think it is, it is our duty, not our children's duty. It's our duty to become accessible to them and establish those, uh, that atmosphere that, that provides that connectedness with one another in the home. So what I'm telling you today is to take advantage of 
every t all times that you have with your children. You know, sometimes even doing grocery shopping. You can have wonderful conversations uh, doing grocery shoppings, doing chores. It, as you drive them to school, you know, take, don't, not everybody again in the back seat with their iPhones, but let's have a conversation. Let's pray together. Let's present to the Lord what we're, the rest of the day. You know, there's so many opportunities that we are missing because we don't have that vision of, of being accessible and welcoming and promoting an atmosphere of connectedness in our homes. Pray with them, of course. You know, ask them, what can I pray about? What concern do you have? What joy do you have? What, what gratitude do you want us to talk about together as, as mother and child? Ask them questions that require more than a yes or no answer, right? Our children are experts. Um, how did it go to school, in, in school today? Good. Okay, well, ask something else so that would promote a conversation. Uh, you know, instead of yes, no, ask other questions that, are, that have, obligate them to give you a bigger answer so that you can have something to talk about and continue a conversation. Talk to them about what you're learning in, the, in your own walk with the Lord. That is so important. That needs to be part of every day of our lives. What is God doing? Um, how, did, how did God answer this prayer or that prayer? What need do I have that I need to bring to the Lord? You know, let's be transparent about, our, about the way that we live our spiritual life as well in the context of the home. Because otherwise, how are they going to know that they can go to the Father, that, that, they're, that they're, there are processes in life, that God is in control? You know, so many concepts that we take for granted. Our children don't know them. We need to model them for them and, and make them participate in our own processes uh, as, as we walk with God. Disciple them in issues that are important to them. And again, for that, you need to know them so that you know what their concerns. Uh, and so there are so many ways that we can make that connection. Many years, uh, many years have gone by, but I clearly remember the special place that my mom prepared for me when I was growing up. And one example of this is I would come home, uh, I'm talking about my elementary uh, years, junior high, so, uh, in those years. I would come home, she would always open the gate. You know, it was not, we didn't have a key. She would open the gate for, you know, the, in, in, in Puerto Rico, every house has gates, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know, iron poles around him, you know, to protect them. So she would open the gate, receive me or, and my siblings as well with an embrace, a kiss. And then uh, I would go and sit next to her in the counter, next to the sink and the stove where she was prepare, starting to pre uh, prepare for dinner. And we would, she would give me a snack And, we, and she would, we would talk, you know, for at least half an hour about how my day had gone in school, what, what she had done, what are the plans, what are we going to have for dinner. So it was a, a beautiful time of connection that, you know, I close my eyes and I can see it clearly, how much that simple space that my mom created for me impacted my life and my own mothering later on. So those things are important. They are very, very important. And after, you know, that time together, I would go to my room, 
do homework. Then, you know, when dinner was ready, we were all sit around the table and have dinner together. You know, and I, I realize that sometimes with the schedules that we have, this is not always possible. I understand that. But let's, let's work, let's be intentional about having those times as much as possible as we can. And again, you know, remember that as a mom, uh, you need to use your God-given influence to the maximum to create an atmosphere of connectedness in your home. That is crucial, crucial, crucial. That's, that's like the foundation of everything else that will happen in your home. So again, going to the lessons, this first lesson that we learned from this mother warrior, Deborah, is uh, that we need to be accessible and welcoming with our children. And in addition to that, we need to be watchful. We need to be vigilant uh, about our children. Deb, we, we know from the scripture that we read that Deborah's palm tree was on a mountain. It was on a high place. And we know that mountains have a very significant importance, uh, strategic importance in times of war. From there, from that vantage point of the high place, they would look to the lower land and, and see if there was enemy, you know, what was happening in the land? Was there an enemy coming? Uh, you know, what was happening with the land and the people? That was uh, an important place uh, in times of war. And again, as mothers, we need to be watchful about the dangers that our children face in the different areas of their lives. Uh, the 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, or it gives us a reason for taking the need to be watchful seriously. And that it says, in order that Satan, that's again 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. In our motherhood, we need to be aware at all times of Satan's schemes so we will not be outwitted by him. As a leader, as a, you know, the main leader in the land, Deborah had to be, she needed updated information at all times. She needed to know what was happening in the land, what was happening in the people. That was something that she absolutely needed. She could not take a vacation. She could not be careless, look the other way, uh, lower her guard. She couldn't do that. none of that because the life and death of her people depended on her watchfulness. You also, you know, we as mothers, as grandmothers, as aunts, you know, every fathers, we need to be uh, educated and have updated information. We need to educate ourselves about, uh, you know, social trends and influences, about sociological theories that are going around, about the dangers of social media. In every aspect, we cannot just sit down, relax, and trust that everything is well. We need to be watchful. You know, right now, there is a, a, a major issue in our land of children being addicted 
to social media and to uh, games, electronic games. It is a very serious issue that can lead to suicide, to disconnectedness from families, to lowering their, their grades at school. It's a very serious business. Are you aware of that? You know, if you're a parent, are you aware of the dangers that those uh, issues have in your life's child? And, and another thing is, if you have given your child um, a device, an electronic device, an iPad or a, you know, a smartphone phone of any kind, do you have rules? Do you supervise what they're watching in those devices? You know, children will always want to fool you. You know, I've, I've seen that many times. They would want to fool you and get away with what they want. And they will give you the minimal information that, that will appease you so that they can do whatever they want on their devices. So we need to be vigilant about that. Let's not allow a device to conquer the mind and the heart of our children. You know, it's a, again, it seems like a simple issue, but it is a very serious issue that has spiritual and emotional consequences for the lives of our children. So again, we cannot be complacent and laid back uh, and simply trust that everything is, is going well because parenting is not for cowards and it's not for the lazy. You know, if you signed up to be a parent, you cannot be a coward and you cannot be lazy. That's just the basic truth. truth. So then, you know, in this area of being watchful and vigilant, Ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear about what's going on in your children's life, in your child's lives. And get involved with your, with your children, invite their, with their friends, invite them over, get to know them. Uh, get involved in their schools. What are they learning at school? You know, what's the, the sex education curriculum in their school? Do you need to give a release for them to participate? Do you agree with that curriculum? Right now, there's a big scandal in that area of, you know, eight, um, it, it's mostly, you know, there are others, but mostly uh, Planned Parenthood. They have developed a, a sex education curriculum that they are selling to all schools, uh, you know, uh, making, uh, doing the marketing so that every school will use it. And it's happening not only in the U.S., it's happening all over the world. And, and they're teaching our children things that we would blush by even reading, you know, and they're teaching them to our children in early school age. Do you know about that? You know, are you are becoming aware? If you're not a parent yet, start educating yourself in that area so when the time comes, you can do your due diligence in that area. So again, we need to be so vigilant. Let's not just rest uh, you know, and, and think, oh, God will take care of them. Yes, God will take care of them, but we need to do our part. We are partners, partners with God in this area of parenting. So then a mother, is, a mother warrior is accessible, and she is vigilant. And she also is aware of her uh, gifts from God, her spiritual gifts that God has given her. Judges 4, uh, 4, 4 tells us that Deborah was a prophet. God revealed to her the plans for the liberation of Israel by, you know, with using Barak. 
So in those verses, verse, that would be Judges 4, verses uh, 6 and 7, then skipping to 12 and 14. This is what it says about what Deborah received from the Lord in terms of, of a revelation. It says, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. This is Deborah speaking to Barak, this uh, young uh, commander of the army. Go, take with you 10,000 men of Nephtali and Sebulon, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera. Sisera is the commander-in-chief of the enemy's army. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Javan's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harosesh Hagoyim to the Kishon River all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. So Deborah was able to offer direction to Barak and his army because she ministered under the power and grace of God's supernatural wisdom. That was the only reason why she was able to, to command uh, Barak with such authority because she knew where it came from. She had been endowed by the Lord with this gift. And it's the same gift that God gave to Solomon, to Peter, to Paul. And you know what? It's available to you and me as well. That's the good news. It's available to us as well today. And, you know, you know probably many of you know the verse from James 1.5 that says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So it's a given. When we ask God for his wisdom, he gives it, gives it to us. And I don't know any other enterprise in this world that requires more wisdom than raising children. It's such a complex endeavor that we need wisdom. We cannot do the work of the Lord in our parenting without wisdom. And, and wisdom does many things. Uh, it, you know, it, it gives you guidance in specific situations. It brings light into a situation. Uh, as you declare the word of, the, of God in the lives of others, there is transformation. You know, wisdom does so, so many things. It wars against oppression, against bad choices and decisions, against ignorance. Wisdom is essential to, as, as a weapon of war as we protect our children and defend our inheritance. So then, you know, ground yourself in the Word, in the word of God. Spend, we need to spend time in prayer, specifically asking for God's guidance in, our, in the lives of our children. And not only our children, our grandchildren, our, our extended children in our extended family, children at church, children in our neighborhood. You know, let's, let's extend our prayers and cover them as well. And, you know, I, I know that God will always say yes to your requests 
of, of, of empowerment to do well the job, the job of being a mother and a father. God will always respond with a yes. I, it comes to mind, um, there's a, um, a preacher who has come to our church several times, uh, mostly in the Spanish uh, ministry, and her name is Lilian Gutierrez. Lillian was a very rebellious child. Uh, she, she, you know, she wanted to do, she was, very, she was very stubborn and wanted to do what she wanted to do. And uh, as an adult, she was in, in, more, in, in moral relationships, uh, and, and she even bought a liquor store. And it happens to be that her mom was a, 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 a red-bone Pentecostal. And her mom would declare the word of, the, of God over this daughter. And, and she would say, you know, and she, Lillian says that she would always go like this, point with her finger directly of her, you know. You know, the Lord is going to open your eyes one day. He's going to open your eyes and you're going to stop this immorality in your life. And you are going to be a teacher of the word. And you're going to be a prophet to the nations. She, she would declare in the spirit of the Lord, she would declare these things over Lillian. And they came to be. That's exactly who Lillian is. You know, is. She has um, ministered in many countries. She's a powerful woman of the word. And she has blessed, blessed so many. And it all started with the faith of a mother who didn't take no for an answer, but persisted in prayer the same way that Deborah did. And, you know, from the account in Judges 4 and 5, we know that there was a definite victory for the Israelites. You know, the, we know that the, the army of Sisera was much more powerful, powerful, humanly speaking. You know, it had chariots of iron and, you know, it was uh, well-coordinated uh, as opposed to the army of the children of, Israel, of the Israelites. But God intervened. You know, you know from, we, we find out from uh, chapter 5 that what God did was, it, it was an impossible uh, victory. It was impossible for the people of Israel to have a victory against Sisera and his army. Humanly speaking, it was impossible. But because of the word that God had given to Barak uh, by, you know, through Deborah, that Deborah believed and, and imparted to Barak, God intervened, and what happened was that he, there was a torrential rain. He opened the heavens, and there was a torrential rain that flooded the river, the Kishon River. So the chariots of iron were no good. You know, the, the, their pride and joy was no good because they got stuck in the mud. And they thought that they were going to decimate the, the foot soldiers, but it was the, the opposite happened. It was the people of Israel who had the victory that day. And so I encourage you moms that to place your children in the hands of the Lord. Use your spiritual gifts uh, that he has given you. It's, it's your inheritance uh, to, to use them in, you know, on behalf of your children. You know, I've, had, I've heard so many stories of God intervening in the life of children. And one of them is uh, Paulette's story. Uh, what happened to, to this woman was that she was having serious issues with her uh, teenage daughter, who was total, complete, always lying, disobeying the curfew. She was coming back home at 2 or 3 in the morning. She was doing what she wanted to do. 
And Paulette was overcome with grief, with fear. Uh, it was a very difficult situation. She was a, a single mom at this time. Uh, so what she did was, you know, she prayed through all of that. But one day, she went to the Lord and she, and she told him, Lord, I cannot do anything else. I cannot take this any longer. I'm going to put my daughter in your hands. You're in control. You know, that's what she told the Lord. And an immediate response came to her spirit. And this is what God responded to her. He said, my eyes are on her. I take control. My eyes are on her. I take control. You know, and those, those words from the Lord filled her with peace, with a new joy, uh, less anxiety in her life. And what happened was that it was something, you know, totally unexplainable in human terms. Everywhere that this young lady, this teenager would go, everywhere there would be someone who knew her mom, who knew Paulette, and who would tell Paulette about it or confront her directly, confront the daughter directly. Even at one time, she had um, made up this lie that she had some event that was going, of, of a school event. They were going to spend a weekend in New York. And, you know, she, she made up, she falsified documents that she asked her mom to sign. I mean, it was a very well thought out um, strategy. And it happened to be that someone in that school found out about it and told her, either you go to your mom and you confess, or I will go. And of course, you know, she decided to go herself. That was a much better way. So then her friends would say, you know, when they would invite her to go out, she, would all, she started saying uh, to her friends, I can't join you because my mom knows everything. God tells her everything. So what a good strategy. And w why? Because this mom sought out God. She persisted in God in presenting her to, to him. Uh, so that she would have a, the victory. And, you know, I know that many of you can testify of spiritual battles that you have won as parents, as mothers, but some of you are still uh, in the trenches and you're still fighting for your children and you haven't tasted the victory yet. But I, what I want to tell you this morning is don't lose heart. Keep pressing on. Asking God to renew your strength and your wisdom. There is um, a dear sister in our congregation that had um, a very painful situation with, with a daughter as well. I mean, all my examples are of daughters today for some reason, but I know that boys also get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so a dear sister in our congregation went through indescribable pain with her uh, teenage daughter uh, because of her disobedience and, and because she had fits of rage. During those fits, she would destroy furniture, attack her mom physically, and she would also leave the home, spend days outside. It got to a point where she had to call in the police several times, uh, social services, because it was, it was a situation that was out of control. And, but she would, you know, something that I know 
I, I, because I, I knew her, I was close to her during those times, was that she would pray continuously and declare the blessing of the Lord over her daughter in spite of what she was seeing with her eyes. And what happened was that it was slow to come, but slowly this young woman started making changes that were, you know, visible. And, and after, you know, this mom fought for her daughter, and, and today this, this young woman is a loving daughter, is a loving mother, is a woman who was able to, to go to college and even has two degrees under her name. And more than anything, she loves the Lord. She made her peace with Jesus. So, you know, again, press on. Press on. Don't lose heart. You know, no matter how old your child is, don't lose heart. No matter what the situation is, don't lose heart. Keep using what God has given you, the weapons of war that he has put in your hands to. And one day there will be a deliverance. And the last point I want to make today is that a mother warrior uh, uses the weapons of praise. We see in chapter, you know, after the victory uh, over the Canaanites, we, we see that there is a song. Chapter 5 is a song that uh, Barak and uh, Deborah sung together. And, you know, it's, the, this song, song sorry, uh, is something that comes out of their spirits. It flows out of their spirits. And it's a, it's a song that reveals the connection and the depths of the gratitude that Deborah and Barak had to God. You know, it was a song of praise. And we know that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So he was there, you know, during the battle, and he was there also uh, during uh, this time of joy. And this song is a victory hymn that praises God for his mighty works and for having had the mercy of using them, Barak and Deborah, as instruments in the hands of God. You know, it's, it's a beautiful victory hymn. And, you know, praise is a weapon of war. You know, I know that sometimes we're in the, where we're in the middle of the battle, it's difficult to praise and worship God. Isn't that true? You know, sometimes we become discouraged and we have a hard time doing that. But, it, but the fact, I know that Deborah was able to sing this song in chapter 5 that we, we cannot read, but please read on your own. Deborah was able to sing this song to the Lord in a time of victory because she first had learned to worship him during those 20 years of oppression from the enemy. You know, that's the secret here. It is not something that we do. We don't worship when things are going well, when we've had the victory. We worship even in the middle of the battles. That's where it really uh, becomes a liberating force in us. And, you know, in an in a unexplainable way, worship renews our strength it replenishes wisdom. It balances our emotions. It gives us peace. It allows us to fix our eyes on our great God rather than look down to our circumstances. Worship is an amazing thing. I, I experienced the benefits of worship, um, you know, some 20-something 20, 20 years ago. 
uh, when we, I was going through a very difficult time with our oldest daughter. Um, and what happened was that during this time, she had oppositional behaviors. She seemed to have every opinion that she had was different from mine, uh, opposing mine during this time. And she even, you know, several times told me that she hated me, that, um, that she was going to move to her friend's house because her friend had an understanding and loving mother. You know, many, some, maybe some of you have gone through that as well. But, but anyway, you know, this lasted, you know, one, two years, and it was a very difficult time for me in my life as a mother. And what I did during this time was to stay in worship uh, to the Lord and praying. And one day, I remember this so clearly, one day when I was at the end of my rope with this situation, I went into our bedroom, I locked the door, and I kneeled, I knelt down. And I, and I just, you know, told God, God, you know, I can't take this anymore. This is too much. And what God told me really startled me. What he revealed to my heart was that I had hardened my heart toward my daughter and that I needed to repent from that hardened heart. And you know what I told the Lord? What? How can you tell that? You know, I am the one suffering. I'm the one being, you know, quote unquote, abused here. But because I have worshipped God, because I know him, I can, I, can I can hear his voice. I knew that he was right. And so I, in, I just bowed my, hair, my head in humility. And I did repent of that sin. And I asked for his forgiveness. And something miraculous happened. You know, God gave me peace. He gave me, he gave me strategies at that moment. And everything changed. It was almost like the atmosphere of my relationship with my daughter changed instantly. And, you know, that has, it renews my faith to know that God can act in, in those ways in such a, you know, in, in such a timely manner when we go to him and we just present to him what we are, what, what our needs are. And sometimes he surprises us and he leads us into another direction that we need to obey. And I, I, you know, I can tell you that, you know, that difficult for a seasoned child, of course, is, is no more. And it was resolved by, by when she was about 15, when she recommitted herself to the Lord. And Sonia is the delight of my heart. And she's the delight of, of her dad. She's the delight of everyone who knows her. I admire her. And, you know, I, I tremble to think that I could have chosen another path. And, and have rejected her or let that bitterness overcome my heart in that relationship. So we cannot allow that. So worship, when we worship God, when we come to him in prayer, when we use all the weapons that he has given us in the spirit, those miracles can happen. Sometimes they take a while, but they do happen. I, I can testify of that. And in Judges 5-7, as part of her victory hymn, Deborah sings the following. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, 
arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. What powerful words. Those are my words too. I hope they are yours as well. And do you notice something? She doesn't say, until I, Deborah the judge, arose. Or, until I, Deborah the prophet, arose. No, it doesn't say anything of those that would have been true. It says, until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. So it was the mother heart in Deborah that, that was conformed to the heart and the mind of God that motivated her to influence others, to be accessible, to be vigilant, to use the, the spiritual weapons at her disposal, to be a protector, to be a defender. You know, all those things happened just because she had a mother heart that was conformed to the heart of the Almighty. What a powerful, less powerful lesson Deborah gives us this morning. That's what we need to do in whatever walk of life you are. You know, that your heart be a heart of a mother, a heart of a father, even if you don't have biological children. That you'll be able to minister in his power wherever you are as you conform your heart, your mind, your spirit to God's spirit, mind, and heart. That's the secret. It's right there. That's what we need to do. Conform to his will. Conform to his power. And then he will use the heart of a mother, a heart of a father in a powerful way in your situation, in, you know, and extend it to many others. He can do that. He can do that. He can use you in his hands to do mighty works that would not be done unless you arise and say, you know, until I arose as a mother, as a father in Israel. So why don't we present that petition before the Lord? Can I ask you to stand and together let's declare that that is a yes and amen. We are going to arise. We were, we were uh, singing before about the army of the Lord, you know, arising, conquering, uh, about chains being broken. You know, do we really believe that? Are we singing yes, just because that, those are the words on the screen, because we're led to that? Or because we believe it. Uh, I'm going to end just sharing. Uh, I've shared it before, but I think it's, it, it comes to this moment. It's, it's a good moment for it again. Some time ago, um, a few years ago, I, uh, when this building was being built, I received a vision from the Lord. And the vision was that there, uh, in my spirit, this this building was already built. And outside, there were uh, big, um, you know, where, where you, what do you call those? Where you put trash, uh, big containers, dump, dumpsters, exactly. There were many dumpsters outside of the church. And I was, I was outside, and I was surprised. You know, these dumpsters, dumpsters are full of chains. They're what is this? And then I, 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 my, 
my ear heard that there was the, the sound of, of power machines, you know, inside the sanctuary. And when I, I said, what is that sound in the sanctuary? So I went in, and what I saw was these uh, power saws were uh, cutting chains, and the chains were falling from people. So the chains that were outside in the dumpsters were the chains that people had come into uh, the church. So that's what God has called us to do. We are chain breakers. We need to use what he has given us to do his work, his mighty work. Let's not just say, well, that's what happens. That's what, you know, that's, that was my, my, my luck this time. Let's, let's believe that God has put that power in our hands. And let's use, again, that mother heart, that father heart to bring freedom to people so we can, in authority, in true authority, in true confidence in God, know that we are called to do that. So, Lord, this morning, we come before you. You are the almighty God. You are the commander of the army. Lord, today we offer our motherhood, our fatherhood to you. We ask that you heal us from anything that is not of you, that will hinder that work that you have put in our hands. Lord, I ask you that we be vigilant, that we be accessible, welcoming to those around us, especially our children, that we be able to minister to them in the power of your spirit, that there always be a song of praise in us, Lord always be a song of praise, that we always use the weapons of war that you have put in our hands. And Lord, we are believing, even for those who have not had the victory yet, that still have wayward children, we believe, God, that you can bring the prodigals home, that you can do a mighty work in our children, that you can do it through us. And Lord, I ask you that we be faithful to you, just faithful obedient, that we use the influence that you have given us, knowing that it comes from you and that there is no other way of conquering these battles than using the weapons that you have given us. Lord, thank you for this home. Thank you for the, the homes represented here. Thank you for children. Thank you for the gift of motherhood and parenthood, that, that we delight your heart with the way that we carry those roles, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Deborah that is inspiring us today, so many years later, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.